0: Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dal Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. And I think, was it, what, five, six weeks into um, this lockdown with our COVID-19? Maybe six, seven weeks. I think it was mid, roughly uh, mid-March that we went into lockdown. I think it was around the 15th to 20th of March that we actually fully went into this sort of lockdown. And I noticed a lot of people are getting a little bit antsy, but what I wanted to talk a bit about today was... Uh, not necessarily, it's all related to COVID-19, and, um, but it was a paper that came out, I think it was yesterday, from ASIC, the Australian Securities and Investment Commission. And uh, the report was titled Retail Investor Trading During COVID-19 Volatility. And I thought, what an excellent report for ASIC to put out and to, to show people what they really, really do. And I, I know people who've been listening to my podcast for years uh, I know some of you binge listen to these podcasts. I mean, you know, Janine and I have been doing them for, I don't know, 15-odd years or more. Um, you know, we were a very early adopter with podcasting, and, and th- those of you who find our YouTube channel, wealth within TV um, and here Janine and I or watch Janine and I talk about stuff and, and mistakes that investors make and traders make and it, it is interesting it doesn't matter what year it is what's going on what's causing volatility the same mistakes constantly happen over and over and over and over we saw the same behaviours back in the GFC we saw it back in uh, the tech rec, the Asia crisis you name it 87 it just keeps going on again and this paper Come out by, as I said, by ASIC, the Australian Securities Investment Commission, really does share with you what people are actually doing. So let me, I might end up doing a couple of podcasts with this, and you hear some paper shuffling as I little bits of paper. I'm actually reading from ASIC's website. So all you need to do to find this paper for yourself, and I strongly suggest you do that. If you're somebody that's not um, highly educated in the market, and even if you are, do it because I've, um, you probably heard me talk about. People have a cognitive bias, um, and I talked about on a YouTube uh, video about I don't know three four months ago about people having um, what they call the Johnning Kruger effect. Is they don't know, they don't even know they don't know, they're just delusional about what they think they know, and, and they think they're better. We, they most people have, they think they're much better than what they actually are. And the worst part is they actually don't even know that they don't know that they're not actually as good as what they part. They live in a state of delusion. And this report really just shares with you that. So if you're open to thinking about things and listening to things, then you should do that if you're closed and say, ah, no, I don't need that sort of stuff. I know what I'm doing. Then you're the exact person that the Johnny Kruger Effect is talking about. You should always be wanting to look at things and how to better yourself. If you're somebody that already says that you're really good at it, then I think you need to stand in front of the mirror and talk to the person that's coming back at you because the person that has the problem is the one you're looking at. Um, And so nobody is brilliant at the marketplace. Everybody, you you can be very knowledgeable and you can be very experienced. And all the time it's best best endeavours on the stock market, but nobody gets it 100% right. And if you've made some money over the last four to six weeks, then I would suggest, unless you're one of our students and you're highly educated, That is just luck, complete luck. It's not about good good structure, good process and good management. And the majority of trading I'm seeing at the moment and the questions that I'm seeing and the comments I'm seeing on our Facebook, YouTube emails that I'm getting just shows me that this is exactly what's happened. And I would suggest 9 out of 10 people at least uh, listening to this podcast fit into the the whole category if you don't know what you're doing. But you don't even know that you don't know what you're doing. Um, and I'm not trying to be rude to anybody. I'm just suggesting that's the case and it's just normal. So go to ASIC, ASIC.gov.au, go into that or just go into Google and type in um, ASIC report retail investor trading during COVID-19 volatility. And you'll find the report. It's I think it's um, about, well, let me flip it over, 14 pages long, not a long one. So it's easy to pick up. And hopefully they keep doing this because I so impl- applaud ASIC for doing this. Because it just shows you people's stupidity. If, if again, I'm not, not saying a rude word to people, but it's just saying how stupid some people are about the stock market and how ignorant they are. And ignorance really is expensive. And, and excuse me for sort of getting on my soapbox, but we get people on the phone going, oh, geez, your diploma's expensive. Well, ignorance is more expensive. We're seeing people lose far more than our courses, not just in the money, but in time. You know, people go to Dr. Google to work out what's wrong with them. That's just stupid. Like, why would you go to Dr. Google to find out what's wrong with you? It's like, that's a dangerous place to do that. But the same with your financial education. There's so many people watch YouTube videos thinking they're a genius on the stock market. It's just dumb. It really is dumb. You're listening to people that have, you don't know who they are, what, um, um, How do I say it? Well, not, sorry, I was going to say qualifications, but you just don't know who they are, you know. I mean, you know, people say to us, well, what makes you so good? Well, we do have an AFSL licence by ASIC. You know, we're fund managers. That's what we do. It's proven. It's independently proven. We're fully licensed. We're licensed educators. You can prove all of that. Um, Our courses are independently checked by government and industry. So you've got really smart people checking on what we do to make sure we do what we're doing. But go to YouTube and you're just flipping a corner getting some dude in a baseball bat hat, baseball cap and a t shirt telling you how to make a million dollars now. I mean let's get serious guys. That's just stupidity. How would you going to learn from somebody like that? And they're just making money out of YouTube. And they've probably picked up a couple of books and highlighted some stuff and they're just talking about that, you know, so but you don't know and that's what I'm saying is you really do need to understand the market. Otherwise, you're really gambling with your money. Now, I'm going to take you in, just read some stuff off the summary page, which is page three of this report from ASIC. As I said, retail investor trading during COVID-19 volatility. That's what the report's called. Um, it goes on to say, all well, or starts off saying, this paper outlines some early observation by ASIC staff on trading insecurities and contracts for difference, or CFD, some people may know that, during the volatility caused by COVID-19 pandemic. Okay. Now, I'd also add the same thing would be whatever whatever comes out of this paper would also be for foreign exchange because I see just so many stupid things happening in foreign exchange and you get people that, you know, I, knew I was chatting to somebody a week ago that's, you know, they were asked, talking about our courses and they're talking about whether our courses were relevant to them because they've been trading foreign exchange for three years, but All the comments that they were making to me and the statements about what they're doing and how they've traded and what they've done, they proved to me that they had no idea what they were doing. And on a scale of 1 to 10, their level of knowledge about trading was less than a 2, actually probably less than a 1 out of 10. And so they were, you know, done this free online course with an FX broker. Well, big deal. Their job is to teach you enough so that you can give them money. That's what they do. FX brokers know that 90% of the revenue that goes into their accounts, sorry, amount of the money paid into an account that a client opens up becomes their revenue for that year. So if you've put $10,000 into an FX broker's account, they know with high probability that $9,000 of that becomes their revenue and you keep $1,000. That's what they know, and this statistics been going in bull and bear markets for years. So, again, as I said, I don't think it's just combined to just stocks and CFDs. It goes broader than that. Basically, uh, they're saying that the report was produced to inform Um, our work in managing the impact of the pandemic and is published to raise awareness to provide detail on recent retail investor trading activities and issues of concern. The paper highlights a range of potential investor harms. It's divided into three parts. Um, Section A sets out changes we observed in retail trading activity in securities. Um, second section or section B sets out potential retail investor harm insecurities markets and the third section section c discusses cfds and market volatility but um the next bit on the same page is still on the summary page time periods covered in this paper basically it's from uh the forecast or oh, the focus period is from february 24th the first trading day after the market peak um to the third of april um, 2020, so all of March right through to early April. So, it not even covered the more the bit with April where the market's been a bit more bullish, um, and we've seen even much more. I've seen the amount of people coming to our website and getting onto our YouTube channel and everything's gone up three, four hundred percent. So, these statistics they're showing us are not different. We're seeing so many uneducated people saying, Oh, I want to learn more, I want to learn more, I want to learn more. But the time to learn is before this stuff happens, the time to learn is when the markets more bullish and you're not going to be highly emotional. The Time's not necessarily learned now, although I'm saying now is the best time to learn about what's going on because you're not necessarily tempted to jump on in, but then we're seeing a lot of that as well. But um, so let's flip over the page and have a look at what's on the second page. So now we're on page four of this report, and that sounds funny, we're on the second page, but you've got the front page, inside pages, blah, blah, blah. Um, it says, Changes to retail investor trading activity in securities market. Now here's some really interesting statistics here. We've got changes in turnover, turnover and market share. The average daily securities market turnover by retail brokers increased from 1.6 billion. So average daily securities market turnover. So how many shares? Are, you know how much money's been turned over in a day by retail brokers? This is like your Comsex blah blah blah. It increased from 1.6 billion in the benchmark period to 3.3 billion, so it's more than 100% in that five weeks. Um, retail trading, as a proportion of total trading, increased marginally from 10.62 to 11.88 um, when benchmarked against the backdrop of total average daily securities market turnover. You may have heard me say, if you've been listening to this, that most of the trading on our markets done by institutions, not by retail. And that's really just highlighting that is the majority of trading is institutional trading, but not retail trading. Um, so retail trading on a mass didn't necessarily increase in the major percentage way compared to the, the the actual turnover from institutions. But I mean institutions were, you know, obviously selling the shares to people um, and getting involved in all of that. Um, but anyway, the the daily securities market turnover increased from fifteen billion to twenty eight billion nearly doubled, um, counting both sides of each trade, consistent with retail numbers. Now, retail brokers were net buyers of security over the focus period, buying $53.4 billion and selling $48.4 billion. So that's what saying it is, is we've bought a dollar and we've sold nearly a dollar. In that period of time and so what's happening is, is people are buying and selling very very quickly that's really what that's suggesting so retail and uh, people buying into the market aren't holding it. they're buying the stocks and selling them quite quickly over a period of days or weeks now here's a really really interesting and if not scary statistic still on page 4 it's trading by new and dormant accounts. Now, when I talk to brokers, um, and I've pretty much talked to all of them, and every, every month I reckon I've got a new broker approaching me to refer clients to them, and I don't. I just don't refer clients to people. Um, I don't recommend brokers um, etc that's not something we've ever done Um, not that I don't think there's great brokers out there but I just think you need to be responsible for yourself of who you do that we generally say to people just stay with your bank until you understand things and then look outside of that but I know retail clients are so focused on fees it's not funny Um, And that's the wrong thing to be focused on. Never worry about the cost. Always worried about where your money is, number one. That's the last thing I find retail people are worried about is where your money is. And they put it with brokers who have their money in an account that's a big pool account rather than an Australian bank account. If your money is in a pool account, then if that broker goes broke, like we've seen um, BBY went belly up. We've seen a few others that went belly up during the GFC. Um, MF Global went uh, down in the GFC Um, Money got shunted away and locked away Because it wasn't your money at that particular time It wasn't in a bank account with your name on it So number one priority should always be Have a bank account for your broker With your name on that bank account In an Australian bank And then just pass the money through to the broker And get back Because if you're saying a broker's never going to go broke They do And I've seen quite a few go broke over the last 10 to 15 years or more. So, but when I go and talk to brokers, and this is the idea of my story, is I've sat in boardrooms in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, uh, et cetera, uh, many, many, many times, and I find out 90, roughly close to 90% of their accounts, 80 to 90% of their accounts are what they call dormant accounts. So you might get 100 people opening up an account today and within a short period of time, roughly 80 of those to 90 of those will just have a little bit of money sitting in them and not doing anything. So they're pretty much not trading. And the reason why people get this entrepreneurial spurt, thinking I'll start trading, I'll buy and and then they realize the complexity of what, they need to be doing and that they don't really know what they're doing. Or they've lost money, they take a few trades, they lose money. So they might have put five thousand. in it, they've lost two, three thousand, four thousand, and they leave that thousand in and think, oh, I'll get to that one day and I'll learn what I'm doing. But they become dormant accounts. So there's the, the whole broking industry is full of dormant accounts that they're just making money on in terms of interest, because uh, obviously the money's in a bank somewhere. Um, getting some interest but ASIC says um, there has been a sharp increase in the daily number of unique client identifiers indicative of new client accounts associated with retail brokers that are appearing for the first time on ASIC's trade surveillance data. An average of 4,675 new identifiers appeared per day. I'll say that again, an average of 4,675 new identifiers appeared per day in the focus period. This made up a total of 140,241 identifiers we had previously not observed. I'll say that again, 140,241 identifiers we had not observed previously. In the benchmark period, we observed 1,369 new identifiers per day in an average and an average of 34,502 new identifiers appearing in a period of the same length. Uh, and they do compare it against previous um, periods of time as well, um, this survey, what they've done here. Um, but there's um, it's uh, for the increase in activity on new and dormant accounts during this focus period. The rate of creation of new accounts as indicated by their identifiers is roughly 3.4 times higher during the focus period compared to the benchmark period. In the focus period, new accounts represented twenty-one point three six percent of all active accounts. New accounts made up three point six percent of all active accounts in the benchmark period. So that's the difference. So the benchmark was the benchmark period they had was activity on new accounts was only three point six, but in the period they're measuring, it's twenty-one point three six percent of all trading in the active account so it's just telling you there's a real scary thing is a lot of what's going on to me is it's saying a lot of people are opening up accounts for brand new accounts and starting to trade, hoping to make some money because they've may have lost their job. or well, they think well I can make money now, etc. etc. So there's a lot of new accounts and they're trading. Because they, remember we talked about the changes of turnover and market share, and obviously these dormant accounts and new accounts. So we're getting a lot of uneducated people in the market trading in the most volatile, highly emotional market I've ever seen trying to make money out of this market. Now some of them would, they would have just guessed it. And got some money and then bought in and sold out and bought in and sold out. But that creates a false sense of security. They go, oh, I can do this. So if you've made money in the last four to eight weeks and you're sitting there going, yeah, I've done really well over the last four to six weeks. I bought some stocks, sold them, da-da-da-da-da. You will be most likely in a delusional state and a false sense of security thinking you know what you're doing. The market will take your money. I'm not saying it may take your money. It will take your money because you'll make mistakes. And the market is so emotional at the moment that if we get some negative news, it will melt down pretty quickly. But when we get people in these um, emotional states that think they know what they're doing, they'll then put some more money in and they'll put a bit more money than they thought on some hot tip that they got or some stock that they think is going to go somewhere. So, for example, if you've normally been trading you know, $1,000 or $2,000 over the last four to eight weeks and you're doing, you know, you had $10,000 but you made four or five purchases of one to $2,000 um, all the time and you're buying and selling and you've made 20% or 30%. What will happen is you'll be in a false sense of security and then all of a sudden you'll start placing five and $10,000 on a stock and then it'll go bang the other way on you. It'll take five or 10 grand on you. So whatever profit you made, it's going to wipe it out. Um, and I have seen that over... And over, and over, and over, and over, and over for two decades plus. It just constantly happens. And we see people, whether it's options, whether it's warrants, whether it's binary options, whether it's contracts for difference, whether it's FX, whether it's just futures trading, whether it's stocks, whether it's tech stocks. It's just another thing and another day. And that's what happens in the marketplace. So be really, really careful out there. If you're very new to the market and you've not got any knowledge and experience, this is not a casino. You know, you you can't just replace the stock market with a casino because that's what a lot of people are doing now. I don't think, you know, they can't go into Crown Casino here in Melbourne or Star City or wherever you are in Australia or you can't you know, touch the buttons on a poking machine, so you're going to throw money at the stock market hoping to make money and get that gambling fix. It's just ridiculous in my book. And again, I'm not trying to be rude to people, but when you see people, smart people doing dumb things, you really do need to say stuff. And there's so many smart people out there doing some seriously dumb things on the marketplace and they're thinking that they're okay and they're in this delusional state that because I'm a CEO of a company or because I've got a you know, graduate degree, that I know what I'm doing. And the answer is you don't. It's a different marketplace. This is a different thing. And because you might be intelligent in some area it doesn't mean you're knowledgeable in another area. And that will lead you to being in that false sense of security. And uh, you will get burnt. The market will take your money. It doesn't care how good looking you think you are, how smart you think you are, how experienced you think you are. If you don't respect the stock market, it will take your money. Um, I'm going to finish this podcast off and then I'll keep going into the report in my second part of this. I'm not sure how many parts I'm going to do. It's only 14 pages, but it might take me through. But anyway, um, you've been listening listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Doug, i the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care, guys. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.